0: Good afternoon, PGA DFS fans. It is the first look show for the Honda Classic here. The last stop of our Florida swing, at least for now. uh Uh-oh, that's my... Oh, there we go. We're a little muted. We had a little little technical difference. But we're going on. This is the last stop of the Florida swing. At least for now, we're going to come back to the Valspar, my home championship, in a couple of weeks, about a month and a half time. But before that, we have got a great week going. And you see a new face here. Maybe not new face to Osmo team, but certainly a new face to the golf team. You see Eric there. But before I bring in, Eric, I want to tell everyone about our sponsor of the show. Thank you to Monkey Knife Fight for the continued support. Their player props-based contests are easy to play. They don't require the time commitment that other DFS sites do, like, you know, trying to factor in ownership and all that fun stuff. You don't have to worry about that at Monkey Knife Fight. You are in charge. So whether you want to play NBA, UFC, PGA, esports, or soccer, Monkey Knife Fight has it to get started Head on over to monkeyknifefight.com. Choose which game you want to play, your contest type, and your buy-in. Even better, you're going to get $50 by signing out with the promo code awesome today. So don't miss it. Head on over to monkeyknifefight.com. So, Eric, listen, I'm going to bring you in. Before I do, anyone that played in the DFS Open last year, I'm coming back when, we, when we're done with this COVID thing, and I'm bringing Eric in because he is an absolute ringer. This guy played four years at Iowa State, played with some of the best in the world, my guy, Patrick Cantlay, I'm the fan club president, by the way, Eric, in case you didn't know that. But Eric, why don't you uh, give everybody a little bit of background on your golf stuff. I'm sure many of the fans have seen you on some of our other shows. You get the tip off show later, but this is your home. This is where the athletics started for you, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so it's good to be here. NBA DFS is obviously the thing that uh, I was brought in for that's kind of my my specialty sport. But uh, when it comes down to playing a sport, uh, golf has always kind of been my thing. Uh, PGA DFS, uh, starting back, God, it would have been six, seven years ago, had a little sweat for a milli with uh, Louis Wusthazen, uh kind of choking away at the end and losing in a three-man playoff, which would have been, or excuse me, winning in a three-man playoff, I believe. I can't remember which way I went, but uh, or PGA DFS has always kind of been uh, been like my baby in a lot of ways. Uh, just it's great to be able to have an opportunity to talk it here with you guys. Uh, looking forward, we've got so much coming up down the pipeline the next month. We're we're getting this short Masters turnaround. I'm just I'm just so excited for all the different things that uh, are going on at the channel, and and yeah, we got we got a special little uh, week of carnage ahead of us this week.
0: Sure is. And listen, the Honda Classic has, has been noted as the Honda Massacre. Kind of weirdly, though, we, we've we had this in the beginning of the Florida swing, typically. So people aren't used to the carnage that we see here. Now, we've kind of had it the last few weeks. We'll go over that in our DFS review. But before I do, Jeff, you're my guy. You've been with me in this show for, jeez, almost over a year now. Another yeah. Justin Thomas ticket. You and I, we, we nail some of these trends down. But they're so important to review because, yet again, you see these guys grip these world world-class players. Justin Thomas was it last week. Yeah, man. I, I
2: mean, completed. Look, I, I, we weren't the only ones who were onto it, no, obviously. <laughs> I think, I think the entire golf community, but again, it does, it does just speak to the point. I mean, when, when these guys start to just get a little bit negative sentiment around them, uh, they slip a little bit, but, but there's really no reason for the slip. I mean, it's time to jump on board, right? So we'll, we'll do our best to to jump out, try and uh, see if we can find someone like that this week. We got Eric here to help us out, which is awesome. Give Eric a big smash of the like, if you could, folks. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, it, it might be a little tougher this week. I'm not going to lie. Cause I mean, the field is, it's watered
0: down. So. And Chad, uh Tim, you just uh, wanted to know about Sam Burns and Brian Harmon. Uh, DraftKings luckily waited two hours yeah. ago. Both of them withdrew Burns and Harmon. Yeah, Bramlett and Spawn are... Um, your replacement's there if you're interested maybe a little jj spawn talk later yeah um all right so the first topic i wanted to discuss with you guys is the cheapest option so it kind of goes along the same lines of that justin thomas drifting to that 20 to 1 number but all of the i'm going to say there's six guys we've got dustin johnson number one in the world john rom rory McIlroy, xander schauffele Bryson Deshambo and Justin Thomas, best six players in the world, in my opinion. Probably not going to have too many uh, disagreements there. What I want to say is the last little bit, playing the cheapest guy at these six, and last week it was the two cheapest, has worked. So, Jeff, I want to have you mention that. Is, is that something I'm just, going to, you know, fostering up in my crazy head here? Or is this something that maybe we should really take a look at, given the fact that their skill levels are all so very close?
2: Uh, it might just be you know a a couple week thing i mean i i I think there's there's tons of ways that you can go about creating it right i mean just looking for for guys who are there's always value at every range i mean most weeks right and i think last week especially with the softer pricing probably worked in a little bit so i don't know i I don't think you need to just discount like one way or the other completely but you know some weeks it's going to be more of uh, the value guys and certain ranges go off versus others so It's I'm always looking I I never try and and discount say I got to make this uh, a lineup this way use guys from this range only Uh, I think it's always on the table so but I you know again I I wouldn't read too much into it either it's probably more of just like a a couple week thing that that, that's the way it's gone.
1: Yeah. yeah, one of the oh yeah, one of the fun things about golf in general is that you're you're basically trying to make a short-term sample size out of a long-term sample size. Like we're basically condensing down uh for one weekend or sometimes two days if they're missing cuts, but you're trying to condense down uh 10 guys who are going to come within two to three shots of each other per round. And it's, it, there's such high variance in terms of your outcomes for those guys, but obviously uh, in terms of the strokes, in terms of everything else, like they're going to be much more condensed. Uh, you kind of like, it's it's not even necessarily trying to find the cheapest out of all of them, but finding the lowest owned, uh, obviously this is an ownership game. It's a, it's a zero sum game. We're trying to, Uh, figure out how to cast our net in the best way and I think just finding leverage in certain spots like obviously Bryson had been playing more tournament golf leading in if you had basically modeled this week off of Bay Hill in just about every single way between Connors between DeChambeau between Westwood and just been like oh well they got one week of tournament golf in in Florida in these conditions and factor that more heavily into your model you smashed this week
0: it's a great Great lead in. Thank you. You must have read my notes. I appreciate uh, that as my second topic is Florida correlation. Now the TPC sawgrass, we typically have seen this later on in the year, not right after Arnold Palmer, not right after Bay Hill, but I think you can find a lot of similarities between the two courses. Now, is that more of a course fit thing or is that exactly what you just said, Eric, that they just had the exact same conditions a week before Jeff, do we need to take note of this because listen, TPC Sawgrass only the second year or third year that we've had it played in March?
2: Yeah, absolutely and and I mean, uh, we really only have one year you know with with TPC Sawgrass in March. Um, I, it's definitely something I'm going to be looking at more closely in, in future years. I mean, yeah, it's, it's something I noticed, you know, obviously I think we all noticed it with DeChambeau and, and Westwood in the final group again, but. Oh, Doug Gim of, weeks in a row. I mean, yeah, Doug, he, Gim. On Sunday. Doug Gim. Oh, there's so many guys. I mean, yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't just start at Kirk. I mean, you know, we could go on and on, but um, I, I think the biggest thing is, and, and Eric might've mentioned this, these courses play somewhat similar. I mean, they're all a little bit open. They got the wind factored in uh, Bermuda greens, you know, kind of all the same size like and this week included pga national man i mean like they're just similar venues in that sort that's why i've always said that the pga should just rotate the players around all these courses and, and play at a different make it like a fifth major you know but that's a different story the fact the fact is i mean i i think bay hill 's going to end up being a great lead and, and i think you'll see more guys uh do do well at bay hill get that one week of tournament experience maybe two weeks even we can go back i i keep forgetting concession now might stay in florida you might even get that two week lead. And I think it's something you're going to
0: have to start emphasizing more uh, with the March players. Now, Honda Classic, typically we've seen good performances from there translate over to Bay Hill. Had that with Keith Mitchell a couple of years in a row. Actually, had that with Sung J M last year when he won. So now do we take, uh, obviously, this field is, is not as strong, but are we still factoring in this, I'll call it Florida correlation, uh, Eric? Yes and no. Uh, obviously you don't have the, the number of guys
1: from the players coming directly into this field. So that that's kind of the one aspect of it where we're going to have find other plays from that, that weren't involved last week whatsoever. Uh, I like do, I do like targeting guys who grew up in either that area, Georgia, uh, certain specific, like just in terms of like this course in general um, it's, it's just a difficult demanding golf course. And the more familiarity you have, uh, on these kind of conditions, it's going to like bode well for you. So yeah, if you played last week, I think you can maybe give them a little bit of a bump. Um, but they're, they're both, uh, golf courses full with water, full with, uh, issues that can happen if you're, if you're not completely on it, ball striking wise, uh, kind of very, very similar to what we just saw last week. So if they played well there, yeah, I would expect there to be some correlation.
0: Yep. For sure. And in this course, along with Bay Hill, This is one of the top 10 hardest, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. But before we do, let's go ahead and talk about some of the DFS review from last week, see if we can pick up anything and bring over to this week. But before we do, I want to turn your guys' attention to awesome promo we have going on. And it is St. Patrick's Day week, so we've got a shamrock promo code going on. What that's going to get you, $15 for full Osmo Plus access to all of our DFS sports, including NBA PGA, NHL, NASCAR, MMA, soccer, esports. How about some college basketball DFS? I'm going to tell you about another little problem we have going on in just a little bit for college basketball. So let's go ahead and do our DFS review, which is where you can find a lot of these plays that both myself and Eric do on a weekly basis as part of our pro play package. So in our DFS review, I've got some top values of the slate last week. And one that I wanted to bring up first is Taylor Gooch. This is two years in a row, Jeff, that Gooch has found himself into some of the best value at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, that, that's one of the weirder ones to me, but third place or fourth place yesterday, his biggest pay- paycheck of his career, mm-hmm. and and in 2019, similar situation. So what's up with that? What's up with Gooch at <laughs> TPC Sawgrass? I don't know, man. I mean, it, 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 it is it,
2: – I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, think t- I think the profile probably fits Taylor Gooch's game pretty well. Uh, he's a player I know when he first came on, he just absolutely would light it up some weeks with his irons. He certainly lit it up last week, uh, you know, gaining plus 6.8 strokes there. But he's also become a bit more of a better all-around player. It almost feels like he's he's he lost some of that, that sharpness with his approach game over last year, but he gained a lot, you know, with putting around the green, it feels, it feels like it, it might just be coming together for him. So somebody to keep an eye on, I think the bigger thing is it just profiles well for uh, it's a second shot golf course, so much stress on the approaches. That's Taylor Gooch's thing, man. I mean, he, he can, he can light it up with those, with those irons uh, with the best of them. So I, I think it's just uh, a product of that. And uh, you know, you may even see some continuation this week. Cause again, um, you know, th- these courses do profile pretty similarly, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Taylor coach is a guy who's, he's, he's hung around some, some pretty decent tournaments with some bigger names, obviously never won, but he's also just a, a pretty, pretty good player. I mean, quite frankly. So.
1: Yep. Yeah. high well, pedigree guy from Oklahoma state. Um, you know, just whenever you factor in some of those college guys, when they competed at the top level in any kind of an amateur setting and they're coming in, when they start to get their footing, you kind of want to ride the wave a little bit. Uh, we saw it with Morikawa. He got out of the gate just like a little slower. Wins in Tahoe and his life just takes off from there. Um, it's, it's just kind of somebody – obviously, he's 29. He's a little bit older than that. But uh, I, I do like targeting some of these guys who did have pedigree out of college. If you went to Oklahoma State and you're starting to turn it on uh, on the PGA Tour, I'm ready to ride you.
0: Yeah. Two of the names uh, that were up in this top 10 of the value section last week that Jeff, you and I talk about quite a bit as golfers that are probably yep. high variance, but score at a much higher rate than others. Brian Harmon and Charlie Hoffman. I know kind of weird, kind of close names, but another one that anytime these guys are under seven K regardless of the form and both Hoffman and Harmon were coming in pretty good. seems like you got to play him. I mean, uh, granted Harmon had some good finishes here. Hoffman is one of those guys that pops up and look what he did on Sunday, basically propelled a lot of lineups up that millionaire maker board. Uh, Same Harmon hole out, you know, Eagle on Saturday, did everything we could. So a couple of guys that I wanted to mention that way, any other ones that you see here, uh, Jeff, that surprised you or uh, didn't surprise you? I mean, Hoffman is really interesting.
2: I I would really keep an eye on him. This is, that was his best finish ever at the players. Um, I think everyone kind of just got off him because of the early season back stuff, but like is in form right now. And, and when Chuck Hoffman gets in this kind of groove, like he's a talented dude, like you said, he can, he can get up there scoring. Uh, I would not be shocked if we see some continuation from him in the summer, maybe even pick up another win. Doug Gim though is, is the one that, that really, I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised because we've talked about him a lot, Jason, you know, T to green strokes gain. you know, very much a similar guy like Eric mentioned pedigree guy, Um, reminds me of Gooch in a lot of ways, just really good with his irons, man. And like to, to him, for him to show up there and and get himself in contention at the players. I mean, I I joked about a little bit on Twitter this morning, but like Doug Gim is playing really well right now. Um, and, and I'm, I'll I'll be honest. Like I was surprised that he just showed up at at a big event like this, but, um, a player you got to keep an eye on. Yeah.
0: Two triples, Eric. Other than that, he had a really decent round. He stayed in it. Take away those. And we're talking about a top 10, probably the best his career.
1: Former number one amateur in the world, Uh, a guy that absolutely played at the top level, runner up at the USAM, uh, a guy that, you know, I saw his name popping in every amateur tournament event that, you know, where I was playing in for years. Uh, a guy that you just want to keep your eye on uh, gets a little bit flat on his, on his golf swing hit a couple of those duck hooks late. Uh, We saw the duck hook in the water. on I believe five, we saw it on 16, Uh, a hole you got to take advantage of. If you're going to score well out there, obviously the disaster that impended on 17 uh, just a a little bit, it got a little bit big for him there towards the end. I think he wanted it maybe a little bit much. That's a thing we can talk about another day from, from a golf perspective, but sometimes when you want it that badly, when you know that it's such a gigantic spot for you, you maybe try a little bit too much and you get out of the, out of sync with the driver. And it's just a, it's just a small deal that can make a, a big, big difference in your round. And you got to be just
0: about perfect off the tee and on a couple of those holes at uh, Sawgrass. Yeah. And and for Gim uh, he really got lucky. And we've mentioned this. He, he got lucky. He was having a terrible rookie season. Then COVID hit and kind of canceled it and gave him a, a, basically a whole new season to, and he's certainly taken advantage of it. Uh, As we look at the ownership side, as we switched over to there, if you faded the chalk last week, you did super well. Granted, Justin Thomas was number seven on the board in terms of ownership and did win. But he was the only golfer in the top 10 owned that came in the top 10 and included six missed cuts. Jeff, the six of six percentage was the lowest we've seen in very, very long time. And in fact, the top GPP performer only had four of 150 lineups make it with six of six. But guess what? all you need is one. Isn't that right? Yeah, it was, it was a great week to just, it, it, to have a six, or six, like yeah, just, you know, any
2: six you, six six. if you had a six, a six, like it didn't even matter how many lineups you put in, like you were live. Right. So a uh, great week to get through the cut like that. If you had it, um, it, this, I, this is why I love Sawgrass though. I mean, it's just it brings the variance, right? I mean, anyone can compete here. Anyone can blow up here. Um, the, the, it just stresses all different parts of the game. Uh, misses are amplified in certain spots, and uh, it, it's just that type of event. It's always going to be that type of course. Just, a, it's just, a, it's just a fun event,
1: quite frankly, and it's crazy for DFS, it really is, a a lot of years, so that's what a Pete Dye design does though, Uh, having played a lot of those tournaments growing up, I I remember there was a tournament I played in Indiana as a kid or whatever, and I hated Pete Dye, like every tournament, every round of golf, because I was a guy who just kind of like bombed it out there somewhere, and uh, tried to just make, you know, take advantage of irons make some putts, like that was kind of my golf game, man, did you have to be just about perfect off the tee on some of those golf courses, but you you can kind of see it in some of these guys nobody's like a bomber, like Justin Thomas can bomb it Sergio could bomb it you know it still can but like amongst everybody there that finished uh just in terms of uh best value per points like you're looking at a situation where none of those guys. I mean, Brian Harmon, that's the first guy right off the bat where it's like, like, come on. The the guy does everything else. Well, except for driving distance. Like he's just a consistent dude. Uh, Lee Westwood. We know how good of a ball striker he is. Taylor Gooch is a ball striking machine. Charlie Hoffman, a notable ball striker when he can get hot with a putter, you're set. So uh, there's a lot of comps to have for this. And and we're going from one Pete Dye course to another, and we haven't really ever had this transition uh, as I recall from this tournament to the Honda. Nope. um, Nope. But I'm, I'm pretty excited to kind of see because, again, there's going to be some definite correlation.
0: Absolutely. Sure is. So let's uh, go in and quickly run through the optimal lineup of last week. And it was 49,600. Really not out of the question. You go Thomas Shambo You're a long way there. Paul Casey probably, in my opinion, in that 8,000 range was the best play on the slate. He was under 10% owned, uh, came in at a really reasonable price and in great form, so I think he was pretty easy. Sergio Garcia hadn't missed a cut here in like 25 years, maybe not 25, but at least eight. <laughs> one back in 2017. Makes sense. Lee Westwood, we've talked about the Florida correlation so many times, and Brian Harmon, so really, really easy uh, to get to looking as a Monday morning quarterback, of course. Uh, now, when we compare that to the top GPP lineup, it was won by industry favorite big team, Tony Newhouse. What a lineup it was. He got the Thomas DeChambeau uh, correlation there and ended up going with Corey Connors, Sergio Garcia, Jason Colcrack, and Brian Harmon. Not only did that lineup win him a million dollars, Eric, but he also took down the $5 drive the green with it. It was a hallmark week. He will never forget it. Many of us won't either. And as I mentioned, though, four of 150, if when we look at his player pool, you're going to see so many missed cuts. It's really unbelievable. But that's what mass multi entering does. And that's why you only need one sometimes. We Uh, see it in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any comments uh, on the lineups? Yeah, we see it in NFL all the time. So
1: again, as somebody, I I try to play just about every DFS sport that exists. I was sweating some League of Legends last night. That's uh, that's a problem. But uh, I'm pretty sure for the most part, like in NFL, you see all the time where it's like one or two lineups that can sneak through the cracks. Now that being said, and think in golf, it's kind of a testament to how important it is to cast your net correctly. Like you can throw your net in a certain direction, um, and you can have a lot of mistakes, but you're going to catch a couple uh, if you kind of build it in a way where Uh, he, I I think like looking at his exposure, especially like he was much more heavy exposed on all of the guys that he was, that he liked, but at least two or three of them came through the cracks and he got a lineup that broke away. And not only that, he got four, all four of those lineups of the one fifty broke away, which is kind of the more astounding fact is that it was so specific to be top heavy for that result. Um, yeah, congrats to him. What a, what an unbelievable week. It can happen. It can happen for anybody.
0: When you have 80% of the winner, Jeff, that's kind of sets you up for success in a week, right? Yeah, again, I mean, I, and and that's the approach.
2: I mean, I, I've said it before when we're, we're talking about mass entering. I mean, that is the approach I, I kind of more drift towards. You know, you set up as, uh, you know, going going heavier on one of the studs, and, and, it, and it really flashed through here. Um, He's probably not hitting those those guys. If he, if, even if he went like 50% Justin Thomas, there's, there's a chance he maybe doesn't fall on this, so uh he really obviously put his, his his bag so to speak in in a under 10k justin thomas and and under 10k bryson which i really like um and uh you know i i do feel like as an industry we we had a bit of a mental block on sergio last week i'm not gonna lie i mean this guy never misses the cut here he's played pretty well i mean myself included like i, I bypass some um, for some players so um we talked about casey on the show but yeah you know, again, um, just from a mass entering approach, uh, I, I really like what he did. And, and I, again, I'm, I, I think that that's really what led him to
0: getting those ones across. So, yeah, let's take a look at the uh, ownerships and leverage from some of the uh, best uh, and our famers, of course. And Eric, uh, I like having you on here as well. We get another MME to talk about stuff. So let's first start off with our buddy in man, Alex Austin Baker, he found himself into Rory McIlroy, 32%. And here's the thing. We learned a lot about McElroy at the press conference on Friday afternoon, basically saying, look, I'm chasing distance. Bryson did what he did at the U.S. Open, and all I've been doing since then is chasing more distance. McElroy was already top five driving distance on the PGA Tour, and he said it messed with his iron swing, and it's clear. Nothing else has really been going. If he has a good putting round, sure, he can go low, no doubt about it, but certainly looks a little bit broken. Um, Tough to fade, though, given the fact that all these guys are coming in. He had Dustin Johnson – Tony high Ty Hatton, so really tough top of the core for our buddy Alex. Did find himself to a little bit of Bryson and Justin, but certainly not enough. For me, I decided to take John Rahm and Xander Chocolate instead of Justin Thomas and Brian Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, did find myself to Paul Casey. Uh, found myself a little bit of Justin Thomas, but it just wasn't going to be good enough. I had uh, four uh, 6 of 6 in this 150 as well, uh, and I came at 128, so nothing great. Another thing even that I think we need to talk about, let's go ahead and focus on how the Millionaire Maker winner did it, and Eric will throw yours in there as well. So, as I mentioned, 80% Justin Thomas, 79 still had fifty percent, 57% of his lineups were gone automatically with Webb Simpson, 40% Cantlay, 37% Worenski, and 27% Finau. I am amazed that he had any... Six of six. It's crazy, given the fact that he had so many high-owned guys that missed the cut. Uh, Jeff, this is the strategy though that allows you to do if you only have one six of six, allows you to possibly have the bet having Justin it, Thomas eighty percent. So. It does
2: because he just went so big on Justin Thomas. Um, obviously had had those extra jo- Justin Thomas lineups uh, floating out there without uh, without those uh, you know those those mines that that he hit obviously with guys like uh, with um, uh, Web Simpson Armin, and um, yeah. Also had like, Harmon and yeah.
0: Connors in his core as well. So,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, exactly, he still hit on a couple other guys like, like Bryson, like he was 50% Bryson. I mean, so, and, uh, and, and almost 40% Connors. So, yeah, it wasn't just Domus. Uh, obviously needed a few more, few more hits in there and he had them. So, but, uh, crazy, crazy week. Um, it, it just, these, these, uh, these ones where, where we get such low six of sixes. It really is true. Like you got a six of six, you were live, man. And and I, I love those weeks the most. They're well, when when you have an actual six of six that's live, you'll love them. But um, yeah, they're uh, they're fun.
0: <laughs> Eric, uh, as you can see, you myself and our buddy Alex, we all kind of took a what we consider a more conservative approach. As you can see here, you had 32% Cantley, 26% Thomas, you had Connors there as well, you had Fitzpatrick, Rom. he hit a lot of the top ten. But both you and I did not turn a profit in our MMEs with a decent player pool. Do you think that in this tournament, because of Justin Thomas was so highly owned or higher owned, that's why we didn't? Or should we be going a little bit higher on our core plays? I think it all depends. Uh, for me, it's strange
1: because uh, looking back on this, I, I would have thought... Um, it would have been more similar for whoever would end up winning the Millie maker that it would maybe be a little bit more conservative. You'd get one or two to sneak through. And then that would end up being the the lineup that hit. Uh, obviously that is not the case. That is not what happened. Um, but I I don't think that there's anything that I'm, I'm too upset about in my pool. Uh, I don't like, for me, I wish I had maybe been a little bit more overweight on Justin Thomas. I thought he was going to be a little bit lower than the the 26. I thought I was kind of like near double the field at that point in time. That was kind of my my stake on it. Him and Cantley were the two guys that I bet in the market uh, for this entire week. Corey Connors, a guy that I just absolutely love his ball striking pedigree, a Canadian dude who just can turn it on and, and shoot some low numbers. I thought this call, of course, set up very, very well for him, was obviously in good form. And then Adam Scott is somebody that I'm almost always going to be overweight on. Uh, maybe goes lower on, kind of slips through the cracks on on multiple weeks i believe he was like right around eight percent so i liked being three x the field there nothing that i was like too upset maybe if i do feel like cantley and thomas are going to be kind of the the two standout plays for me in that spot maybe i can go and up my exposure to near 45 50 percent but i don't want to get in a habit of not building lineups correctly i was doing a lot of tea time stacks i was doing a couple of different things to try to mix it up uh, maybe try to get a little bit of a good draw here and there but um Overall, I'm, I'm not upset. It just was one of those weeks where nothing came together for me.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I understand. Uh, for me, uh, as we transition into my lineups, I put my faith uh, behind Tommy Fleetwood and Tony Fee now. And now, the reason why I signal those two guys out and say not Patrick Cantley, because I'm always going to put my faith behind Patrick Cantlay. Not upset about the Cantley miscut. The other two, they were chalk. And I decided to go into them. Granted, they were playing pretty good. It should have been an easy move off of, as you guys can see, my mega millionaire maker lineup. Instead of building 300 more entries or even more, I should say, I decided to go with the one lineup approach, $7,100. And I bombed it. I wasn't even close. I had three minutes. <laughs> but, uh, as you can see, my line of golf here. Yeah, yay golf, right? Speed, Neiman, and answer. Actually, really good plays. They could have helped in a lot of different spots given their salary structure, uh, but the other three, just terrible. Even if I'd gone up to Morikawa and down to, say, Wills-Ela Torres, it would have been closer to the cash. But, uh, Jeff, looking at the lineup, like, you know, it is a cash-oriented lineup, but uh, when you have so many high-owned guys miss, it's an easy spot to leverage, and I did not do that last week.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it, money morning you quarterback. Know. You know me, I'm the captain of hindsight No, for sure. No. And I've looked, that's what we're here to do. Right. I mean, can I agree with you on Kelly? It, it was just a tough situation. He's playing so good I'll, I'll around the green, whatever, you know, just, just look like he's going to set up great for like a run at a, a place like TPC Sawgrass. He gets sick. We don't really know what's going on. I'm sure that it affected him. So it was tough. I wish I could have got off him too, as you're going to see probably eventually, but um, you know, a, it's like you said you you most people just had had the a couple studs bomb this week i mean i, I don't think your approach with like playing high scores like feena and, and and uh and um Spieth or, or is like wrong it's just you know uh, again the, the, when the studs bomb it, it is it is tough it, it is really tough like uh you you nailed the the value plays which was which was part of the game this week so um it's just it's always going to be a high variance one uh tpc sawgrass
1: yeah, That's I'm not too plan. bad about anything that you have in this lineup. Like Cantley and Fleetwood, uh, I really like. Finao obviously had been in great form. I guess the one pushback I have, t- uh, Tony Finao, I try not to get in the habit of like overthinking uh, for some of these top elite golfers. Uh, course fit and uh, like pedigree here or like a course history. Uh, But T 22 is his highest at sawgrass up to this point. And then a guy that just doesn't draw the golf ball. I think there's so many spots where you're hitting three woods where you kind of have to like trap, draw it on multiple golf holes. And for me, that just kind of like gets me off of now immediately kind of uh, taking my shots I understand he's a great scorer but he does a lot of that just from pure driving distance unless you're going to take Bryce in lines and yeah. be able to hit a draw uh, be able to hit a draw I that's going to get me off Fino every time it's Sawgrass. just since we're piling on on Jason here yeah. I mean <laughs> it, like Bring it Fino, it, it.
2: Be, since he was 21% out he probably like that's the
0: problem with it he was right, the first
2: playing this late. slate Exactly. Yeah. yeah, if he was like ten percent owned, it would have made way more sense. But yeah, mm-hmm. like twenty-one percent owned, probably a player I could have got off of that at that. But and yeah. he
0: was the but, highest a Millie as well, or, or second highest owned. And yeah. I uh, surprising. Fun surprising. of fun mm-hmm. uh, tilting him on Thursday morning. If you guys do follow <laughs> my Twitter, I was live twinning it because they gave us every shot live, so I could see how bad it just it really was. Um, <laughs> But in any case, uh, okay, let's schedule. We'll just go down mine quickly. I like to show my best lineup for the week. It did not pay for the week. Had a chance, but Scotty Scheffler let me down yet again, missing on the number. Had a pretty good core on FanDuel. Other than that, had five of six. It got up to all the way fifth, I think, but finished in 20th. So not great. And Jeff, you have a disease of a golfer that's reminiscent of my speech disease, Tideki Matayama. I wish Uh, I had
2: speech disease. makes That's
0: at least. How Had you had gone to Jordan over Matsuyama, you would have gotten through the cash line. You had the uh, fortitude of going to Justin Thomas. That was the best, obviously, play of the slate. You had some other good picks down here as well, Uh, finding yourself into, again, a pretty good lineup, but the Matsuyama over speed did cost you.
2: Yeah, this one really actually pisses me off because, I mean, it almost (laughs) crashed, first of all. I mean, you know, obviously having the winner, having the winner and a guy in the top five and another guy, a value play in the top 20, you know, like... I feel like I, you know, Grillo probably, I just really bought, pissed off. He really he did. Let it out. Let, let it, it out. In, it out. This is a safe way. space. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Grillo not grinding his way through the cut for me really just th- that one irked because yeah. um, I've really felt like he's, he was a really good play there at 6,700. I was never getting off him. You know, Cantley, I, I really wanted to get Bryson in this lineup. I just could not pull the trigger and getting off Cantley. And then for me, Hideki, it came down between Hideki and Spieth. Hideki reeled me back in with that performance at Bay Hill. He was like the not only Sunday. guy who played well at Bay Hill who didn't play well this week. So again, Pretty yeah, much. I just, I need to cross him off. I need to just get some help. And you know. Chris
0: Kirk, I mean, he put up 71 really points and came in 48th. For me. I mean, he just bombed on Sunday, which was bombed on Sunday. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's going to do it. The TPC, I, we loved it. The players was awesome. I, I personally, and, and Jeff, you also uh, mentioned as well. I think it should be a major. I think the governing bodies should get together and give that to us. I think they should give it not to us, the players really, Because they deserve it. Uh, In terms of a viewing perspective, it was amazing. We got so much quality content out of every single shot. Jordan Spieth almost hitting Rory Sabatini in the head and then (laughs) having a conversation with Colin Morikawa about it. Uh, Not like anything we've seen. But let's go ahead and transition into the Honda Classic. There's 144 players here, four open qualifiers, uh, and 140 other players. We are going way down the list in terms of who is eligible, though, here. Uh, And we've got a couple of top teners um this week and let's talk about the golf course pga national a par 70 one of the only par 70s on our rotation eric 7100 yards almost the exact same driving accuracy as last week and almost the exact same uh greens and regulation talk to us about that what, what's going on it's almost three weeks in a row where it's like 60 percent driving accuracy 55 percent greens and regulation
1: Pretty simply, there's a ton of water. Uh, professional golfers in general, uh, or golfers of any level, when there's water uh, in line for you driving it off the tee, we're gonna you're, drink every time you hear the word "bear trap" this weekend. That's gonna be the new. Uh, that's gonna be the new deal. So uh, bear trap, bear trap, bear trap. It's gonna happen over and over again. But it truly is one of the most difficult finishing stretches of golf. But anytime you bring professional golfers uh, water off the tee, they're gonna have to do some uncomfortable things. They're used to just being able to go out and pound it uh augusta national there's really no water off the tee anywhere guys who just kind of like unleash there so you're factoring a lot more driving distance not going to necessarily be something that i'm i'm too focused on this entire week uh looking looking at the golf course in general obviously you only see the two par fives par 70 you're not going to have as much scoring scoring is going to be very very tough to come by this entire week we've seen multiple times where uh the the winners under 10 uh, or 10 under or worse uh in terms of uh in terms of under par so anybody who can be consistent uh you're you're not going to necessarily be, be focused on the Eagles or the birdies or anything. There are no par fives set up like there are at uh, sawgrass. So that is going to be a little bit of the different deal. Par five scoring uh, just tough to come by here.
0: Yeah, Jeff, uh, typically, as we just mentioned, top 10 hardest on the PGA tour so actually normally gets into yep. five par 70 has a lot to do with it, obviously not having those par fives, but it really takes a whole game to win here. I mean, we saw Luke list get close a couple of years ago. So Wyndham Clark also get close a couple of years ago. So maybe some under the radar names that have played well, but also big time winners, Justin Thomas, Sun J. M. So Jeff, who are you going to be building around this week, given those?
2: Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, we, we've had big names win, but also guys like Keith Mitchell breaking through for wins, mm-hmm. right? So um, absolutely. Like it's an, it's a venue where uh, you dial up the variance. And again, I, I think, you know, especially with the weaker field, don't be shocked if you see maybe another like uh, kind of Keith Mitchell type winner, but. Yeah, let, let, let's dive into the, the DFS stuff. Um, you know, just looking at the salaries, obviously we got Westwood priced up, burgers looking solid, but I, I'm going to go down and, and say Shane Lowry is going to be uh, one of the top guys just in terms of pure value yes. in the top. Uh, played really good last week. We saw him strokes gain tee to green, through the bag, uh, played really good. And we saw him do that through, through last year too. Lowry's around the green game has improved. Uh, that was a sore spot for him last year. If that's clicking, um, I like this venue for him a lot.
0: Yeah, and he must have been watching the show, uh, Mr. Lowry. I appreciate him tuning in on Wednesday night when Ben and I were like, don't play this guy with a 10-foot pole. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Shane, for tuning in and, and using Thanks us. Mr. are balling ball- out. What does Ben have against Shane Lowry? I thought he'd like the Euros. <laughs> yeah, typically we do, but bulletin board material, did Lowry take that? Um, Eric, uh, as, as we move... Uh, into pga national is there really a course uh, a player profile that you want to target or do you think given the fact that we just mentioned luke list all these guys that have kind of popped up it, it's really not one specific skill set gets it done here uh
1: i am going to say one thing because i think the wind is going to be popping up to around 15 to 20 uh for, for two right. or on thursday uh, so i believe Yeah, Thursday, it's going to be windier. Friday, it's going to rain. Sunday, it's going to rain, uh, but also be windy then. So Sunday will be a real crapshoot on a couple of those guys. But I like these profiles of guys who hit it low, who can kind of control their ball a little bit lower. Shane Lowry is like the typical guy. You saw him obviously win, a, win an open championship. Uh, just can hit absolute darts, uh, controls his ball really, really well. Another guy who really sticks out for me is Joaquin Neiman. He hits those bullet draws with his driver. We saw a couple of those in Hawaii. If you were just like walk, like going through, he uh, hits one of the best stinger drivers you'll ever see on tour out of any of these guys. People are just able to get the ball in play under pressure in a couple of these spots when it starts getting down the, to the wire on Sunday when it's going to be really, really blustery. Uh, Shane Lowry, I, I do like going to some of the Euros in the spot. A lot of them moved to the Florida area. Um, a lot of them are familiar with that kind of play, where it gets a little bit gustier, a little bit windier. So Shane Lowry was the first guy who really jumped off the page for me. Uh, Russell Henley, uh, somebody who the betting market seems like is at plus three thousand. Uh, somebody who again comes from the Georgia area uh, was a bulldog, kind of controls his ball really, really well as well. Uh, but then he, jo- Joaquin Neiman is going to be a staple of a lot of my builds this week
0: too. Like he should be for many people. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think a lot of that makes sense. Um especially with Neiman, he does. Uh, Him and Gary Woodland have a quite uh, a stinger shot trail, if you will. So let's go ahead and move into our first clicks. But before we do, I mentioned a little earlier about the college basketball we got going on and also just mentioned that my buddy Ben Raza, him and Matt are going to be dominating this coverage over the next couple of weeks as the March Madness uh, approaches. So I told you about the Shamrock promo. That's 50% off the Osmo Plus Platinum Weekly Pass. So that's going to give you – $15 $15 uh, off there. It's so a pretty good price. But if you just want to join us for Osmo College Basketball March Madness DFS package, you can just buy that for $29.95. That's going to give you access for the entire tournament from tip-off on March 18th to the National Championship game on April 5th. Of course, also don't forget to check out Odd Shopper, our Odd Shopper tool at oddshopper.osmo.com to help you find the best tourney betting lines available across all the major sportsbooks, legal here in your state. So uh, finding the best value online could be the difference to a win and a loss. So make sure you're taking advantage of the free tool that we have to offer. So as we move into the betting markets, a couple of first clicks for me here this week. I started at 70 to 1 with a guy that is playing off of a top 10 at Puerto Rico. He's also going to play in all the other alternate field events. So a really good opportunity for Mr. Brandon Wu to possibly get a special temporary membership. I've talked about this guy quite a bit. I think he's one of the most talented players that is not on the PGA tour yet due to just him maybe not getting enough points during the, his first sponsor exemptions, but 7,800 uh, on DK and 70 to one first click. Jeff, can I get you to tell me on this, or are we a little too early on? Woo woo, Brandon. Woo.
2: I don't think we're too early. I mean, this this guy's really good. Um, I'm sure Eric can probably give us more context too, just in terms of, you know, what what, what he's doing in college and stuff. I know from the from the Corn Fairy tour, obviously betting him a couple times. He's good. He he's hashtag good. Um, Seventy eight hundred. Hey, it it does feel like a li- like we're paying up, obviously PGA but- uh, event for again, you know, a guy with a card, whatever, but. I mean, you look at his range. Like, I'm not playing McKenzie Hughes. Russell Knox is, like, all over the place. He's, he's probably playing in the best form of anyone down here, just from a, a pure, like, you know, tee to green perspective, et cetera. So, yeah, man, um, I will be considering him in that range uh, for sure, uh, just from a DraftKings, uh, uh, you know, thing.
0: Eric, 7-1 yeah. um, is a Stanford guy. I told you earlier who was Cal, my bad. Okay. Stanford guy. The other Cal guy was Justin Sue, who's not here. Who else? I would like here this week, but he's not. Um, So let's talk about Brandon Wu for a second. He was my first click and then you can go ahead and give me uh, your first click on the betting side for this week. I mean, he's
1: looked great in, in a couple of the events that I've seen from him, obviously, on the Cord Ferry Tour. I know he played well in Puerto Rico. He was near optimal for that as well. Uh, a guy that that has a bunch of games played out here in Southern California quite a bit. Uh, always see him at the top of everything because, again, uh, incredible pedigree, incredible uh, golf profile in general. We don't really know what that's going to look like in a, in a larger field event. Why not take some shots on somebody who has competed at the highest level of amateur golf? This is, this is like different times. Like back when I was in school. So I, I started in 2006 at Iowa state and, you know, there weren't that many kids, like Ricky Fowler was kind of like the exception to the rule where he was able to drop out and kind of be performing right off the bat. You had a lot of those Euro kids that were coming in being 15, 16. Matt Fitzpatrick went to Northwestern for 1 year, then ended up going professional, but that was like a rarity. Now you're seeing it all the time with with these kids. They're just tour ready. They're more tour ready coming out of college than ever before. So yeah, we we know uh, the kind of ceiling that exists on him there. I wouldn't mind taking a couple shots on him, but Man, I would I would say that there's a lot of other guys, uh, maybe just even a little bit more expensive. A, a couple guys even like below him, Strillman is somebody that's not going to get a lot of love. That I'd be looking at Alex Norin, another dude who just kind of golfs his ball like you know, just hits like the little trap cut, the over the top pull swing that uh, yeah. finds fairways. Just an absolute fairway finder. So, uh, well, yeah, no Norin, no, just no to Norin. Like the top, gotta be the top three ugliest swings on tour though, right? Him and absolutely
0: Danny up there.
1: Yeah, his pre-shot rehearsal makes me hurt a little bit. It's like – Oh,
0: gosh, it's bad.
1: It's, it's painful. But regardless, uh, yeah, there's an absolute ceiling that exists there.
0: So you want to always be early on those guys. Doug Gim, 55-1. to 1. He's going to get it done, Jeff. We know it, right? Yeah. He just talked about his pedigree. Is this a spot where he's last two weeks in contention? No. really against a field that's not that good? The only thing
2: I worry about with guys like Wu and Gim is, is this course is – it really does like take a couple cut go rounds, you know, and especially for the pro setup. I mean, you know, just looking at some of the trends I have uh, up here just for this week, um, seven of the past 10 winners finished a 13th or better in the previous year at this event, nine of the last 10 winners, that at least made a cut at PGA national uh, before winning. It doesn't mean a guy like Wu or Gim can't get it done here, but you know, especially Brandon Wu, I actually don't, I don't think Gims played here either before, but I could be wrong about that. But you know, neither of these guys have played here in the, in the PGA setting anyways. Doesn't mean they can't do it. Doesn't mean that and this is this is kind of the perfect field for them to get it done too. So it's weekend. Uh, there's no star players here. So I'm not putting anyone off. I'm just throwing that out there as like a, you know, a counter argument. Um, I, I, Doug Kim's playing great golf. I'm probably not going to be on him uh, at that price. I think I'd rather pay down to a guy like Chris Kirk. He's got the around the green game going. Uh, the approaches are better. He's really, really just consistent off the tee now, which has always been kind of a, a hurt for him. He just putted terribly last week um i I think kirk can bounce back um i I really
0: do i don't mind paying that price for him he was my first click this week kim davis uh fits a couple of those uh segments that you just said jeff the eighth here last year 58th year before so eric we know the tall aussie is quite talented 55 to 1 seems a little short but uh is that going to be a place you click this week
1: Yeah, not going to be for me. Um, I'm probably going to go elsewhere there. Uh, For me, a guy that's sticking out a lot is JT Poston, a guy who was plus six through eight in that first round, came all the way back and was like, (laughs) looking down the barrel of a top 10, uh, getting, getting down to the stretch, like JT Poston, when he starts turning it on there, uh, you want to talk about the opposite of Grio, somebody who dug his heels in uh, (laughs) and just kind of like made a cut, made it happen. JT Poston saved a lot of uh, some of my, my other lineups that I had on FanDuel. He was kind of somebody that I played a lot over there. Uh, I, I love going to him when he starts to get in form. We know how hot he can get with a putter at times. I try not to factor that in too much, but God, you gotta, he, seems a little bit lower, uh, like he might be a little bit underrepresented and then plus 7,000 in the betting market. I'm willing to take some shots on that.
0: Uh, Jeff, my last click, or first click, my last first click, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense, um, is, is a guy that I believe I might have had the wrong profile on. And We talk about these young guys that are super talented coming out of college that maybe we just don't know where their game is, what courses they're best suited on. Well, I believe that Will Gordon is best suited on difficult tracks, that require whatever it is, a whole part of his game, making long putts, lag putts, whatever it is, because his top finishes have been Houston Open, a difficult track this year, even going back to the Travelers. Maybe that wasn't as hard as this golf course is, but certainly of the tougher tracks on the tour, came in third there. So at 150 to one, I know it's his shortest price we've seen in a while, but I feel like this could be a really good course. He has a similar profile to Wyndham Clark, where good short game, not great with his irons or streaky with his irons. Very good off the tee. So uh, Jeff at 101 plus Will Gordon in your picks this week. So just to, just to let Eric know, we do have a Will Gordon
2: segment on this show. Yeah, it's, uh, I have to do it all the time. Jason loves him. I mean, he, but the thing is he, he is a good, like he's a good young player and he goes yeah. off consistently at, like bigger odds than, than a lot of the other ones. So you do kind of have to consider him down here. This is the type of event too. Again, it's the same thing I said with Brandon Wu, like, if this one of these guys are going uh, to up kind of like a Keith Mitchell or a Wyndham Clark, you know, who who got in like a top 10 here. I mean, this would be where, where will Gordon to do it. So no, I, I don't hate that at all. Um uh, you know, we've seen it. We saw him at a Travelers, another tricky little course kind of pop up. I don't mind that. Um I, I think in a lot of ways like him and Cam Davis has some similarities. I might even take a look at Cam Davis, but if their irons are on, um you know, they they can putt and they can get hot around the greens and stuff too. So yeah, I'll, I'll consider him there. Um, you know, the other long shot play I don't hate uh, a guy who played pretty well last week, Harry Higgs, uh, going off around 150. Played pretty well here last year. Uh, he's striking his irons well. Uh, you know, getting if he can get hot with the putter, I don't, I don't mind that. Not sure if I, I'm necessarily going to like bet him, but more, maybe more of a DraftKings play for me. Uh, I think I'd almost rather go to Will Gordon. I think, I think I like the upside a little bit better with Gordon than,
0: uh, than Higgs. Yeah, triple figures for you, Eric. Uh, can I get you behind Gordon or others?
1: God. Yeah, I, sure. I'm just going to join the segment here. Why not? Will Gordon fire it up? I have no problem with it. A guy that that for sure can, can compete in any field. Uh, like him, definitely more on more difficult courses. There's a couple of guys who kind of set up that way. Um, you know, the, uh, that that was kind of like one of my big pullbacks for for a couple of the guys last week, where you know thinking about what that number is going to be with getting to minus 13, getting to minus 14 at a difficult golf course like that, where there just wasn't necessarily the ceiling probably get me, got me off of going back to as much Westwood as I should have last week. Um, coming into that. I didn't know if lightning could strike twice. It absolutely did. He made $2.5 million in two weeks, which is almost big team money. Is but, he
0: on the PG four yeah. after those two starts, by the way, I would assume
1: that he, Oh, Oh, was, enough for membership. No, I would assume. So that would be pretty
0: hard to figure that he wouldn't, wouldn't have a bill for- yeah i would assume you would we'll get it yeah we'll have to take a look at that i, I don't know that it'll matter this week but granted give him the- yeah will gordon fire him up i have no problem going there okay uh anybody else triple digits before we get into five minutes of dfs talk we've got the nhl strategy show coming up after us Jay Carry josh is on the mic for that got some big nhl contest there. yeah need- in them so stay tuned for them but we've got five minutes left uh after you give me your choice. yeah so a long
1: shot guy if we're talking about pedigree if we're talking about somebody who kind of sticks out he's he's popped a couple of weeks um it started to play put it together i know he played well at pebble but maverick McNeely is sitting there at plus plus eleven thousand over on the dk sports book I'm, I'm happy to go to a little bit of that here as well i i really like uh his profile uh just coming out of college as well Man, he struggled first getting out on tour. But, man, he's really starting to put it it together a little bit here in spots. Uh, Not super excited about much in this range. I would
0: be happy to take some shots there. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about DFS for a little bit. We're playing for $200,000 this week on DraftKings for the $15 buy-in. Pretty standard uh, offerings outside of that. But one thing I wanted to harp on, one thing uh, that is really cool, the Masters – Tournaments are already posted. We've got three Millionaire Makers, $10, $100, and $4,400. And they've thrown out satellites to the $100 and $4,400 this week. I'm going to start to really focus on those. I'm going to try and make my Masters week what I call a free week, not have to spend any money. I'm going to be hitting those. I really enjoy them. To get into bigger contests, if you haven't, it's a good way to build your uh, bankroll in that regard. Of course, if you have a good lineup, typically you will win. You're only going up against 10, 20 other people. So, you are looking to enter those millimakers uh, and not spend as much money, that's a way to do it. And up at the top this week, I uh, had Sung J M, then Daniel Berger, pretty much correct, as well as Neiman and Scott. All of those guys seem rather expensive. If I had to click any of them, though, I would click Sung J M. And Jeff, uh, knowing that we don't have a lot of time, top five guys, is Sung J your first click, or are you going to spend down for somebody like Neiman or Scott?
2: I would spend down in this spot, maybe, and maybe if it's just spending down to Burger, but you know, Sanjay really riding a hot putter right now, like insanely hot, and that worries me a little bit on a course like like Honda, where you know, again, if your irons are, aren't aren't close, I mean, they're you know, trouble lurks. But uh, I mean, I'm not out on Sanjay. I don't think he's like a terrible player or anything. He's super consistent off the tee. Obviously, likes the Bermuda, but I don't know. I, I do feel like Burger's in better form. I, I would side with Burger over that, uh, over him, I should say. And I, I do feel like it's a week where we're getting Westwood priced up as the third most expensive golfer. Um, Scott's up there over 10K. Like, I don't really want to pay up for anyone, to be honest. So, maybe a balanced approach is the way I'm going. Although, then you got, like, Gooch at 9K. So, I, I think for me, Berger would be the play over Sanjay. Um, I definitely don't mind Neiman, though. I I, I do feel like maybe Neiman is, is, is where I would fall in the in those top five guys.
0: Eric, you already mentioned yeah, sure, you be yeah. Neiman as, as kind of your guy. I'll pitch you Sungjae really quickly. Okay. Uh, on Sunday, obviously had the round of the day going early. Got it yeah. to 7-under on the day before a double. But the double was from the middle of the fairway on 15, and it was the around the green work. And that wasn't the only time that the around the green work was suspect. He saved a 15-footer for par on uh, 12 after duffing two chips. Very similar to what he did on 15. So if he misses greens this week, is Sungjae in a fade? Because of the around the green game right now, or do we think the ball striking is good enough where he's going to pay off that 11K salary?
1: For me, it's going to come down to the issue of ownership, too. We'll see kind of how it plays out over the course of the week. But defending champion, that that kind of comes with a certain level of respect. And and I, I feel like that's going to be emphasized by people betting here, too um burger will concentrate a lot of the ownership westwood has been hot i know it's going to be sticker shock and that might reduce the ownership a little bit but uh a 47 year old playing three weeks in a row uh both in contention feels like a spot where i maybe want to get off just that's a that's a lot four, to be a lot of
0: stress four. to put on yourself what was that
2: four weeks in a row because yeah, the WGC too
1: yeah
0: that's so, true and it didn't all that great so all right, as we move down, again, we only have a couple of minutes here left, so we're going to try and give you our top plays. So uh, rapid fire, I'm going to give – I want one pick from the 9,000 to 8,000 range, one pick in the seven, and then one below seven. So I'm going to give you my three. I'm okay, clicking Doug Gimm at 8,800. He did miss the cut here, Jeff, last year, so he has at least played it once. I'm okay. I think he's my top pick in that section. Maybe Cam Davis is number two. In the 7,000 range, I love Brandon Moo. I already mentioned him. Also uh, in the, now below 7K, I, Will Gordon's at 7,100, I mentioned him. Below 7K, that's where it got a little tougher for me this week, not going to lie. I went all the way down to Christopher Ventura, who's already played pretty good here in Florida, has that ace, of course, at the Arnold Palmer a couple weeks ago. Uh, I looked at him, he is at 6,700. So Eric, I'll give you the floor first. We're down to our last 60 seconds or so. So uh, go rather quickly if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Neiman
1: in the 10 K range. That was, that was kind of the guy already. Shane Lowry. Definitely the guy who sticks out for me at 9,200 there. JT Poston sitting at 7,900 in that range. Uh, And then below seven K it does get kind of hairy really quickly. Uh, But I like Denny McCarthy. uh, Somebody who has made back-to-back cuts can kind of randomly spike on random weeks. Uh, Somebody that,
0: that could pop here as well. I, I like his profile for the golf course. Speaking of aces, he had one of those as yeah. well. Got himself uh, through with a 69 69, but 275s, Jeff, over the weekend. Yeah. May just push him back a little bit. But how about you? Let's get your top picks and then we'll clear the way for the NHL strategy show. I already said
2: I like Lowry. That one uh, obviously I won't go over again. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Keegan Bradley this week in the AK range. He's starting to play better, consistent approaches. The round the green game looks a bit better, so it's scary, but uh, I, I do think this is the kind of uh, you know field he can pop up a little bit. The 7K range is, is kind of like no man's land for me right now. Uh, Matthew Neesmith looks interesting. I'll just say Alex Noren because I always play Alex Noren, and I do think this is an Alex Noren track for sure. Uh, I think Eric and I are in agreement there. 6K range, I, I think I'm probably going to use West Bryan again. Uh, again, uh, T4 at this venue is so the West Bryan course, and I'll throw out Kelly Graft as a, a complete min-price flyer. Um, talented dude he can get go hot with the approaches uh he's he's struck the ball okay just not making cuts yet but he he could pop well there you have
0: it uh the pga dfs first look show for the honda classic and don't forget to make sure you like and subscribe especially the subscribe portion i'm coming out with short form videos all the time you will get notified when those come live so eric thanks for joining we are gonna do it again next week in fact we got a double week next week the match play and the Dominican Republic so we'll talk about both of those Jeff again we'll have you on thanks for joining everybody good luck at the Honda Classic this week and we will see on the other side